0: Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach Greg Kennedy. All right, welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. We appreciate you being here today. Hello to everybody listening on CJRO Radio in the East End of Ottawa. Thank you for being here. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about the Sens getting smacked down 7-2 by Montreal, the Prospects Challenge in Buffalo, Troy Mann loved the play of three players in particular. One guy that Sens fans were sore at was Arbor Jackeye. I could see him being jackass to the average Sens fan before long, but we'll talk about what he got up to. And that was maiming a bunch of Sens in that game, which brings up the question in our Dunrobin Distilleries web poll today, is the risk of having your top prospects compete in a rookie tournament like this worth the benefits We'll talk about Jake Sanderson fielding questions on the Sens Reddit account and what's your top five in the power play and what player would you most regret leaving off that top power play. All still ahead today. Here on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast is Steve Warren along with the coach Greg Kennedy. Greg, what's going on with you today?
1: It's a Sunday, Steve. That's a football day, I believe, isn't it? It's
0: watching the prospects game today, but also watching the Ravens collapse they're up 35 to 14 mm. in the fourth quarter, and Miami comes back and, and thumps them. That was a crazy turnaround in a game. I, I was a Dolphin fan as a kid. Oh, were you? I d I don't know how or why. The only thing I
1: can think is the, the colors were cool and the name was cool. I, I don't or maybe it was, you know, because it was the greasy and zonka years and they were really good. But I was a Dolphin fan as a kid. Well,
0: I'm a, I'm assuming you're a bandwagon fan then when you get down to an undefeated <laughs> team and all, right? How can a kid not love yeah, an undefeated team? the Sens got smacked down 7-2 by Montreal at the prospect challenge in Buffalo and uh, it was not a very good effort well let me just give you the lineup it was not exactly an all-star crew in fact I'm maybe two guys on this Sens team will make the team someday I don't know maybe but uh, your top six was Lodine, Daou, Boucher second line was a Stapchuk, Crookshank and Jarventi Then you got Rollins between Vallad and McDonald, and then Wakeley with Newcomb and Latimer. There's your forward crew. And so Montreal, which had, a I think, a little better lineup, took advantage of that. But, uh, yeah, it was a really one-sided game. It was a dominance by the Habs with the puck, skill-wise, physicality-wise. And uh, Troy Mann, though, says there were some guys he liked. This is what uh, the the B-Sens head coach had to say about three players in particular.
2: Well, I, I'd have to say right off, it would be Crookshank for me. You know, I thought that, uh, you know, Crooker still played his in-your-face game and, and got a dirty goal because he's not scared to go with the blue paint. And uh, the kid cares, you know, he's, he's a high-character kid. And, uh, you know, I know he's chopping to, to play game action. And... Uh, uh, so I thought he's done a nice job. And that's why I know with uh, Pinto and Sanderson not playing here in Game 2 and Game 3, we were kind of rewarding him a little bit for his leadership by throwing the A on him. You know, that's yeah. kind of a reminder to players, you know, when you're throwing A's on on their on their jersey that uh, we, we do feel there's some leadership there. So uh, he's done a nice job. And, um, I really liked Max Guenet's game tonight. I thought the Donovan kid too was probably our next best defenseman uh, after uh, after Max. And uh, Max has come a long way with his steady play. You know, he's not a huge, huge talker in the room, but uh, I do think with his compete and how much he's progressed here over the last season, uh, that uh, you know he, he's uh, he's done really well for himself.
0: Angus Cruikshank, he liked he liked Max Gwinnett, and the organization really does seem to like him. He's he's been the he's the captain for this tournament. And uh, suited up again today in that role, Uh, Shane Pinto, Jake Sanderson, who are the alternate captains, they did not. And so, uh, yeah, he he liked Crookshank, he liked Gwinnett, and the final one he liked, oh man, I'm gapping. It was Sean Donovan's kid, but I think Angus Crookshank, by everyone's assessment, was by far the best Ottawa senator today.
1: Well, I think, first of all, if there's ever a tournament or a game or a situation where the team result doesn't matter to the degree, to a high degree, this is it. Like these kind of things, it's about individual players showing what they can do and how they how they how they fare what their skills are like in an individual situation. You're evaluating them as individuals. So really the score means nothing. It's like a like you're watching an inter-squad game. Does anybody really keep track of the score? So it's, a, it's an evaluation tool for the staff. And uh, the, the players that you would expect, at least two of them, that you would expect to be the better players for the Senators today work. Right, like we've we've you love Angers Cooksank and have since the day he arrived, and he is one of the more veteran guys out there on the ice, coming back off an injury, but but a more established veteran player, older player. I shouldn't say veteran because he really hasn't played that much, but but an older guy who should be one of the Senators' best players, and Gannett as well, being being the most senior of the defensemen out there, he should be the best player on
0: the ice for Ottawa. There was a guy for the Habs playing defense named Arbor Jacki, and if you haven't heard of him, he played in the OHL last year, and while he was with the Kitchener Rangers, I think it was, he got into a, a big brawl where he just knocked a guy out. So he knocked this kid out. It's the uh, Owen Sound Attacks captain, Mark Woolley, and this happened last December. And Woolley, I guess, ironically enough, Jacki missed the previous meeting between the two clubs, in which Mark Woolley knocked out one of his teammates and was chirping like crazy. So Jack Eye wanted a piece of Woolley the next time they got together, and boy, did he ever get a piece of him. Like like I say, though, David Branch absolutely hated the nighty-night gesture and suspended him indefinitely. So um, bad slew foot that had uh, Jack Eye on the sideline to start with with a suspension. And then today, he kept it rolling in the dirty department with some really late hits. Some will say, I'm sure if you're a Hab fan, you'll say, ah, it's just a guy admiring his pass. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just uh, you know, finishing your check, as they say. Ha- Sens fans are all saying late hits. But he knocked Victor Lodine. I mean, really high hits and, and probably a late hit. So he was out of the game. Uh, Carson Latimer took a late hit in the end boards. And then coming to their defense was Zachary Massacott. And people are calling this the the Massacott Massacre because uh, arbor jack absolutely clobbered him in the fight so wasn't exactly what massacott had in mind but credit to the kid for stepping up for his teammates but uh yeah arbor jack is going to be if he ever gets to the nhl he's going to be someone for people to keep an eye on it's the sort of player that you always want to know when he is on the ice
1: yeah, and it's it's like you and I have had the conversation, and and you'll you'll give your opinion here as well as to whether or not these things are are worth it for these the higher end prospects to be on the ice when there's Jack or sorry Jack Eye type players <laughs> skating around the ice. Um, you just you know I'm I'm torn, Steve, because part of it is that if you are a better player, and if this player on the other side truly isn't ever going to even make the NHL someday then this this guy should cause no problem for you. You should see him coming. You should know what's going to happen. You're you're aware when he's on the ice. Um, The whole idea of of admiring your pass, whether you did or you didn't, if the guy got you shortly after you made a pass, then you probably did let up too soon. Whether whether it was one second or three seconds, you, you need to be aware. There are lessons that can be learned. The question is, is it worth it and that's the question you posed to oh, it was right off the start of the show here today. Is it worth it for these guys to be on the ice against these knuckleheads?
0: And your thoughts are a definite no, I, I'm going to say, We're correct? Well, the top prospects. Yeah. So the guys that are shoo ins to be at main camp, what's the point of this? Like, they're going to get reps. At at main camp, it's three four weeks of main camp, eight exhibition games in there as well. Play them more in the, in those. If you're really worried about their reps, get get them in as many games as possible. It just uh, I just don't think the the juice isn't worth the squeeze, as they say. These are the top prospects you have, and um, and and you know the extra reps, there's benefits. You know you want evaluation of these young guys. Maybe decide you know who should win their way onto onto the main camp roster. So you want to evaluate, you want to give them reps, but at what cost? I mean, the, this is meaningless hockey. There's no suspensions that are given out by the NHL if someone does something moronic and reckless and dangerous. So, I mean, reps are great and everything, but hey, if you want reps, then why aren't we doing July and August rookie camps as what? Well? Do it all summer, never stop. At some point, you draw a line. And for me, anyway, the line is here. I, I don't think you need rookie tournaments like this for your top prospects.
1: And I see your point, I, I I and you know what? I could, yeah, I can agree with you. I don't, I don't Jake Sanderson does not need to be on the ice, uh, nor does Shane Pinto. I can't help thinking though that it's to do with it, it, both of them, well, especially in the case of of Pinto, he, he's coming off a non-year. Like he just needs to get on the ice. He needs to get in games that have some semblance of meaning to them, some level of competition on the ice that he's playing against. And in the case of Sanderson, he's 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 never played a game. Or right? he didn't even play a game in the in the American League last year. He came straight out of school, uh, came to Ottawa injured and never even played a game for the Senators. So it, it, these two cases are probably slightly different. I'd, I'd I'd like to like I wonder if these guys had played last year. Like, if Shane Pinto had played the whole season, there's no way on earth he would have been in this tournament. And I, I got to believe right. that if Jake Sanderson had come from school and been healthy and stepped into the lineup to finish the season, he wouldn't be there either.
0: Right. So, with three injuries that occurred, and two of them directly from Arbor Jackeye, Victor Lodine is out. You've got Zachary Massacott, who got hurt in the fight with Jackeye, and Zach Ostapchuk, also got hurt as well i don't think anything to do with jack eye anyway they're not going to play and i find it interesting that they're going to go with one fewer skater in the monday game against the host sabers because they don't want to play pinto or sanderson again so they're going to go one skater short and i think that's a reasonable take but that's truly your feeling you don't want to play pinto or sanderson like what are you doing there at all right like what's the difference like why did you play pinto and sanderson in the first game if you're suddenly worried about their health, it doesn't make sense to me. It seems to be, a, I don't know, a contradiction. Yeah, like it's not like you needed to sell
1: tickets, right? No. Like, oh, we need we need to get a better gate. Let's put the stars in the lineup. You know, I, you're absolutely right. I, I, It makes you wonder. And if I'm, I don't know what the right, right word is, a lesser possible Ottawa senator prospect, and I didn't get invited, then I'm a little ticked. You know, I didn't even get an invite. You invited these other guys who probably don't even need to be here, and you apparently agree that they don't need to be here because you're not even going to play them in Game 3. So, yeah, why did you invite them in the first place if you're just going to pull them now?
0: This was our Twitter poll question from Dunrobin Distilleries. As I mentioned, is the risk of having your top prospects compete in a rookie tournament worth the benefits? And these were some of the replies we got. Jameson Bridal writes... I don't see how it's any different from watching the Sens play in the feeder league. So no, I don't think it's worth it. In-house tournaments before training camp should be enough. Danger Bay writes, nope. Same as allowing Calder eligibles to run off to the World Juniors. Lisa Campagna simply says, nope. Sean Barr, yes. They need to compete against their peers. Jason O'Dale disagrees with it. Mrs. O says, not if you've penciled them in for your main roster. And a bunch of other one-word answers which probably don't help how interesting the podcast is but thank you to everybody for the responses no matter what <laughs> format came in uh and it's all brought to you of course by dunrobin distilleries any thoughts on any of those uh takes that came in from the good listener
1: um it, it, the idea that they're playing here against their peers um I i don't know that you could say they are because let's face it, there are different categories or different levels of prospects playing on both sides. You've got guys who are pen- penciled in, as one person noted, to, to be in the NHL or to be on the roster for opening day even maybe. You've got players who are pretty much set to be going off to the American League. You've got players who are more than likely going back to junior or college or wherever they've come from. And you've got walk-ons who are going God knows where at the end of the whole thing. So it's just – it's it's wrong – that um, that the to, to say that they're out against their peers because they're really not they're not their peers and somebody didn't somebody compared it to having call, Calder Trophy eligible guys go play in a World Juniors. I think everybody who's a junior should go play in a World Juniors, regardless of what your situation is. In the NHL, when it comes up, your team should let you go no matter what. That's just that's my controversial take.
0: Like even dominant rookies, like yeah. when Connor McDavid was. Right out of the gate, he was an yep. awesome addition to the Edmonton Oilers. He'd still send him to the World Juniors.
1: I think that if the guy wants to go, he's got a whole career ahead of him to play at Edmonton. What's it matter if he's gone for
0: 10 days to
1: a World Junior tournament? I think all these kids should be able to go, but well, that's just me.
0: Yeah, I think from a fan perspective and Connor McDavid's family's perspective and his own, absolutely. But I might have a different thought if I'm Daryl Cates, the owner of the Edmonton Oilers, who's paying all this money for the kid yeah. to come in here. Um, and uh, he makes my team a hell of a lot better on a nightly basis. I also understand why the owners aren't real big on it either. So see two sides of that one. But uh, again, this poll that we have is brought to you by Dunrobin Distilleries. And um, I'll tell you about Dunrobin Distilleries. Did you know that Ottawa's very own Dunrobin Distilleries has been winning prestigious awards internationally for their spirits? Oh, it's true. Their gins won gold and silver earlier this year out of the U.K., and their whiskey came in second place as the best Canadian whiskey in the country. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. Pick up some Dunrobin Spirits today at various LCBO locations across the province or buy directly from their website at DunrobinDistilleries.com. And of course, our title sponsor is JimKFord.com, and we'd like to invite you to check out the all-electric Ford Mustang Mach-E. Yes, goodbye gas, hello freedom. The Mustang Mach-E gives you 0-60 to 60 thrills, expansive range, and zero tailpipe emissions. Transports are arriving daily at Jim K. Ford with more inventory all the time. Order your next vehicle exactly the way you want it at JimKFord.com. They're at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. So one other thought about the second of the three rookie games down in Buffalo, I was just really disappointed in Roby Yarventi. Like, he's really giving me Logan Brown vibes right now in terms of his compete level. I think he, he seems like one of those guys that, you know, tries hard to keep up with the play and try, where, try to be where he needs to be, but at the same time, he doesn't make a lot happen. Basically, he's a finisher.
1: He's, he's a guy who finishes. He, he gets to the right spot at the right time in the offensive zone. He can find white ice and, and get open. And he's got a great release and a good shot. I don't know that he's a he's not a playmaker. He's not going to carry a line. He's not going to, to be the leader on the line. He's going to be the guy that finishes if he's going to get
0: there at all. We'll see. I don't want to bury a guy after uh, just a couple of World Junior games and a rookie tournament game when the Sens rookie lineup was outmatched today. But uh, I have a big red flag about Yarventi. You know, Crookshank, there's a guy that I, I was even more solidified in my belief that this guy can help your bottom six for this team. Not maybe this year, but soon. Jarventi, uh, no, not so much. Moving on. Yeah, well,
1: wait a minute. Just before we move on, um, you you went through a list of names that that um, that Pierre rhymed off as our you know our future. The day he acquired Eric Branstrom, said so this is a guy who's going to add into our collection of of future talent here. Remember that list? And there's uh, there there are guys who get put on those lists just because they're they're higher draft picks or they might be the best player. Uh, at that position that's in the system right now it, it doesn't mean they're all going to the show and people tend to get excited about everybody and not everybody makes it folks you know like uh, there's a lot of uh, Sokolov fans out there and I don't know that he's ever going to make it and uh, you know, Yarventi may maybe the same sort of thing you know there, there are guys that come along that look real good and high draft pick they have the pedigree as we say but that doesn't necessarily mean they're guaranteed to make it someday.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't have the list in front of me, but it was like year one or two of the rebuild and it was one of those conversations that they were having about the prospect cupboard. And at that time it was glowing accolades about guys like Christian Yaros and Christian Willan. And I was like back-to-back Christians. I forgot about that. Then you got your uh, Marcus Hogberg or your Logan Brown. And these were guys that were seen as, you know, the sparkling jewels in the prospect cupboard. And now they are no longer in the organization. does not take long for, a, for them to make a decision, a hard decision on uh, what was once a guy with pedigree to decide, yeah, not part of our plans in any way, shape, or form. So it is interesting. Now moving on. So we all know that the Sens have an amazing top six, like almost as good as anybody's in the league. I'd put it up against anybody's in the league right now. The top six forwards on this team are so skilled. The question is, how do, you, how do you decide which five players are going to be on the top power play? So that's uh, the question I'm putting to you, coach. You got to put a power play together, the number one unit, and it's not going to be 50-50, as we mentioned. You know, it's all top power plays get more than half of the, any given penalty. So a two-minute penalty, these guys will be out there for probably a minute 20, minute 25 most times. So what will your top five be on the power play and what player do you most regret leaving off your top power play?
1: My top five see Shabbat at the top, Norris and Durinkket in their offices, and I have Kachuk and Bathurston as net front presence. Uh, I, I like the way Bathurston uh, slides out down below the goal line and makes that one touch pass into the slot or walks it out himself or even cross ice to the to uh to Norris in his office. so there's there's options there, and I think Batherson has, has shown that he can play that position well, so that leaves me. And that leaves Tim Stutzla as the one guy that I'm that I'm leaving off from that top unit. I mean, obviously Giroux's not there either. But that, to me, I guess the biggest one is you don't have Stutzla on on his side. He's not on his off wing. He's on his strong side normally. Uh, he'd be in the spot that I'm now giving to break it.
0: Wow. And you exactly the same. That's weird. <laughs> but the one I reserve to make a change on, because I do think top of the top of the umbrella. Exactly, and that might be Jake Sanderson before long. Just because the way that guy can walk the line, the way that that guy can keep plays alive, keep possession with these tricky little plays to buy time for himself, just to find that little bit of open space where he can bring the puck for a sec and then get his bearings and then decide what to do next. Like, in that one area, at least... I think he's every bit as good as Thomas Shabbat right now. And so I feel like before long, he might be the guy that you want at the top of that that power play unit. But I've got the same thing. Like, I don't want to separate Norris and Dabrinkit. Dabrinkit on the left, Norris on the right. They both are absolute one-time beasts. You take one away, fine. The other guy's going to make hay. I don't want to leave one of those guys on the second unit to get their 20s. 20, 25 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever it is, 40 seconds. I want these guys to get as much. I want to maximize them both. So, and you're still going to have lots of offense left on that second unit led by Tim Stutzla.
1: And I think a pretty good indicator of uh, Shabbat at the top of the power play, he was arguably the, the top defenseman or the top offensive defenseman, at least, let's say, at the World Championships for Canada this past spring and a coaching staff that included uh dj smith did not use shabbat on the number one power play it's a way to conserve some minutes for for him and i i think it it might help him because there's a lot of pressure on him back there all for the last year the year before that even and the talk the fact that he didn't score goals on the power play he didn't even get all that many points on the power play so okay let's let's take him off let's use some sanderson let's sprinkle in some brandstrom even you know, he, he's got an ability and an escape ability across the top of the blue line and the feet to play that position as well. So uh, I think maybe maybe we've made a, maybe we're calling our shot here, Steve, and it's exactly what's going to happen is that Shabbat isn't the opening day guy on the top of the umbrella, the first unit.
0: Maybe, and, and uh, it's also, I mean, we both ended up with the same lineup, I think, uh, both trying to be provocative potentially, but in the big picture, Given the contract that Stutzla just signed, I can't really see him not being on DJ Smith's number one unit. So Batherson comes out for Stutzla potentially. You could easily talk me into that. Uh, it's an embarrassment of riches for DJ Smith to make his decisions. And, and certainly chemistry plays into it too. Like there are certain guys who just, you know, they seem to know where they are you know, know where the other guy is, I should say. And so if, if you identify, you know, any kind of glitches in that area, well, you can bring in somebody else and and maybe the chemistry works better there, even though the guy you've replaced is maybe the better player of the two.
1: Yeah. And chemistry is a good point. Uh, both of us with the whole line of Kachuk, Norris, Batherson together there, and they have chemistry. If Stutzla plays in the second unit, he's playing with Giroux and, and Joseph, or maybe it's Mott is your net front guy. Um, there, If if Giroux and, and uh, Stutzla establish some sort of chemistry, then then that second play power play unit may be just as strong. Especially if you if you leave Shabbat in the first unit, your second unit is Brandstrom and Sanderson at the points with Stutzla and Mott or Joseph and Giroux up front. Like that that's that's gonna score some goals for you
0: too. Absolutely. And maybe that's an exercise, and not many coaches have the luxury of this idea, but maybe you turn it into a friendly competition. Okay, boys, you've got a couple of games without a power play. Our new number one for this game is gonna be these guys, the former number two and, and kind of, I don't know, maybe play them off each other a little bit and get a, get a competition going. Few teams can do it, but the Sens might be able to. For sure.
1: Uh, but either way, no matter how we look at this, I don't think you can make a mistake, <laughs> yeah, which whichever five you pick to be PP one. I don't think that uh, people may want a second guess, but I, uh, to me it, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. You can't go wrong here. Now, you take all the guys we have just talked about up front to be the four forwards on that unit. You can swap in Giroux and, and uh, Stutzla on your first unit just as easily as, as you're putting Batherson and and Kachuk or Dabrinkit or whoever. Like, you can mix and match all you like here, and, and, and
0: you shouldn't go wrong. Andrew Hammond in the news. The Hamburglar. We're always going to have the Hamburglar. That was a fun run where he came up and I think you know he went something, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he went something like 23-1 and one down the stretch to help the Sens make the playoffs one year. It was phenomenal. They called him the Hamburglar. Fans were throwing burgers on the ice. Fans had the Hamburglar masks up in the stands. Oh, my God, that brings back a memory when we were at TSN <laughs> 1200. Uh, I don't know if you know this story, but at one point, the radio station, Jr. basically had the uh, the idea that we're going to Give away, the station is going to give away these uh, little Hamburglar masks to every fan who comes into the game. Unfortunately, the company that we chose was someplace out east, and probably trying to save a dollar, and they weren't going to be here in time for the uh, big promotion. So oh. one day, one afternoon, we got some local company. They gave us the masks. They gave us the little elastics that went with them, and it was all hands on yeah. deck. There was basically 25 of us in a tiny room in the senator's offices downstairs, and we're basically putting the elastics on the Hamburglar masks. Imagine how tedious that was. Hours and hours we did that. And thankfully, it paid off because I had a nice long future with the organization. They were really uh, loyal to me down the road. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, but that was weird. I
1: was just going yeah. to say, did you get a nice bonus for that work, Steve? <laughs> a different <laughs> kind of bonus.
0: No, that was, uh, that, that, that's a funny thing about the uh, radio and TV world. You do when you're in it, you do get kind of snared into that concept of, yeah, we're, we're all a team here. We're all pulling on the same rope, and we're like a family. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. Hammond is going to be 35 in February and he is going to the KHL. He has signed a one-year contract with Tractor Shelyabinsk. You know, we're always going to have that fantastic ride. I mean, I, I took you down a weird ride when <laughs> I talked about all that other stuff, but it was a pretty amazing run uh, that'll go down in Sens history. We're talking about, I think we're a few days away now from the 30th anniversary of the Sens' very first NHL game of their modern history the Andrew Hammond story will go down as one of the better stories in those three decades.
1: And we'll always have the scene of Curtis Lazar picking a hamburger up off the ice and eating it. Right. Wow.
0: Yeah. You know where that's been? Absolutely. How much spitting happens in in an average game? (laughs) Like, man, (laughs) we'll close it out today with Jake Sanderson getting loose on the Sens Reddit page. They've got an official Reddit page that I came across, uh, they've just started this season. And uh, so they said, uh, yeah, we'll do. Uh, we'll open it up to fans for questions. So I thought it'd be fun to close the show out today with some of his answers to fan questions. So for example, and you let me know when you're getting bored with these questions. Um, we got one here from, if you could be on a pairing with any defenseman from all time, who would it be? And who would you have the best chemistry with? This is an off the pager. Ethan Fritch, Ooh. because we played at UND together, and he's one of my good buddies. That's a bit of a surprise. You'd think oh. the, you know, wow. how about Kale McCarr or somebody? I don't know anybody. I'm gonna pick this I guy, Bob Yor. Yeah, exactly. All time. Is there a story behind why oh. eighty-five is your number? Oh, good question. Yeah, the reason I chose eighty-five was because my dad wore number eight when he played. But of course, Ottawa has the number eight retired, Frank Finnegan. So I couldn't wear that, but I wanted to be a high number as well. So I thought 85 kind of fit for me. And a lot of guys wear 85 in the NHL. So I like that it was unique.
1: I remember reading a story or hearing a story about how excited he was when he was drafted and he was thinking about numbers and he realized, oh, there's no eight. Oh, hey, I'm going to get my number. This is great. This is cool. And then I I think it was Dean Brown who had to break it to him and say, ah, no, sorry, son, (laughs) that one's retired. That's why nobody wears it.
0: Another father question. Hey, Jake, what was it like for you having a dad who played in the NHL to lean on for advice as you made your way to the NHL? Uh, simple answer here. I It's really nice. I ask him stuff a lot, and he's pretty laid back. And it's interesting. To me, I think this might be a rarity. Now, maybe you're going to reel off 10 examples of this. But, I mean, the father-son NHL bloodline, that's a very common thing. We've seen it again and again but what you don't see is the son coming in in a totally different position most i would i would i would argue that most of the father son combinations in nhl history they played the same position
1: and you are probably right yeah as you were uh, as you were uh, making your statement there i was guessing ahead and thinking ahead that that is what the point you were going to make and i immediately started thinking um caden primo's a goalie Oh, good right? one. His dad wasn't. Yeah, yep. Um, uh, there's so many now in the NHL fathers and sons. Norris's were both forwards. Kachuk's father son were forwards. Um, yeah, you know I'd have to do some some homework research on that one. But you're probably right. There wouldn't be that. well, Bonk's, Bonk's kid's a defenseman. There you go. Have you seen good him one. play,
0: Olivier Olivier Bonk? He's a very very
1: good defenseman. But of course, Raddock was a was a centerman
0: couple of others here from jake sanderson on reddit um again a dad question most important hockey lesson your dad has taught you he's always taught me to be offensive and work on that part of my game it'd be interesting to see what jake sanderson's stats look like like is he going to be kale mccarr good as far as offense goes or gonna be maybe like a more of a 55 60 point guy where do you what do you see him falling in
1: well, I have I've made it a made it known, stated it's on the record, however you want to state it. I've said this guy's gonna be a true NHLer right from day one. There'll be no questioning it. There'll be no, oh geez, maybe we should send him down. There'll be none of those debates. This kid will step in and play. He'll be in the conversation for the Calder, and here I'll go one further. He will lead all Senator defensemen in points this year.
0: Wow. Wow. Thomas Shabbat yeah. on line three for Greg. <laughs> Anyway, uh, to close it out here, a fun one. Uh, this one. Uh, do you have any good nicknames or bad ones? And he just gave us. Well, people do call me Sandy, which is standard NHL Wait. operating procedure. But then the secondary one he says is Cake. Does that have something to do with money? You think? Jake the Cake. Uh, well, then there were some. There were some. A uh, couple of follow-ups, but he never got back to it people wanting to know the story behind cake but uh
1: yeah get your cake and eat it too or the kids the first rounder he's gonna make lots of cake
0: yeah or or he literally just likes his mom's cakes or something your mom was always sending yeah, cakes and, yeah hard to say all right cake sanderson thank you for all your uh, your answers on uh, the sends reddit um a little show filler for us to close out the show <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we do appreciate you being here today. Again, thank you to all our good listeners on CJRO Radio out in the east end of Ottawa. And as well, uh, don't forget about our website, really amping up the articles these days at SensNationHockey.com. Greg, enjoy your evening. Watch a little NFL action. We'll talk to you next time.
1: For sure. Thank you, Stephen.
0: Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share this show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.